You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. There is a town upstate, two days' journey to the north in the Hudson Highlands. It is a place called Sleepy Hollow, an isolated farming community, mainly Dutch. Three persons have been murdered there, all within a fortnight. Each one found with the head lopped off. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you're nostalgic about. We watch them objectively, let you know are these movies any good, or are you just blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watch 1999's fantasy horror thriller, Sleepy Hollow. Heads will roll, Zach. Heads will roll. Will they ever, Brandon? Uh... Brandon gets fixated on doing Halloween-y horror movies in October. I tried to fight it off. Um, I really did. <laughs> we had to get at least one or two in, man. Yeah, one is fine, because <laughs> Halloween is one day of the year. Um, <laughs> this fucking So guy. last year we did four, I think. This we year did. we're only going to get in like two, so <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm not. I'm sad, but I'm glad we at least got Sleepy Hollow in, man, because this is one that I watched a shit ton growing up. Why? I This is the first time I've seen this movie. Are you kidding me? This is the first time? Oh, Yeah, man. today was the first time I've seen this movie. Wow. Which is why I'm in a bad mood. What are you talking about? Oh, I can't wait to get into this one. This is going to be a good episode, folks. Buckle up, buttercup. Yeah, buckle up. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was, okay, strangely, I will, first off, I was a huge fan of the legend of Sleepy Hollow, the actual story. Zach, mm-hmm. we talk about this every episode, how I can't read. I actually not only read that story, I also read the novelization of this film. Still have it to this day, dude. What? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? What's your problem? I'm a Sleepy Hollow head, man. I, I, and I think that's honestly from my mother. My mother was weirdly obsessed with this movie. Not a horror fan in general, my mom. But we watched this movie every Halloween, and I must have been like nine when this came out or some shit, and for whatever reason, we just watched it every year. Once we had it on VHS, then DVD, and I mean, every year on, man. Well, your mom's not a horror fan, but she's a fan of this movie because I wouldn't classify this as a horror movie. Really? What What would you call it? Like a historical romantic drama thriller? I wouldn't, I don't know what I would classify it as, like not scary, like maybe. Pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, uh, no. Um, Maybe like (laughs) historical thriller, like period piece. Like it's not scary at all. I think there's one dude, maybe scary moment. Yeah, but I don't know how you don't classify this as a horror film just based on atmosphere and mood and the look of it alone, man. This thing is bathed in Halloween spirit. (sighs) Yeah, I guess. Um, So you can maybe I don't know, dude, I just. I don't think it was scary at all. Well, you must have heard of it anyway. Had mm-hmm. you had you, you you knew about Sleepy Hollow anyway? Just just chose to avoid it. Yeah, I do remember when Sleepy Hollow came out. Just never got around to it. Um, also, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, a story that I was familiar with before this movie, um, and it scared the shit out of me, actually. This was like a scary story that I remember vividly being like uh, actually scared of. Um, did not read the novelization of this fucking movie, Brandon. Um, but I actually do remember kind of wanting to see it when I was younger. And uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you why I never got around to it. Just didn't. Yeah. I mean, this is our, our, our second Tim Burton film on the show following his Planet of the Apes remake, which was his follow up to this movie, actually. But 
you must have been aware probably of his previous, you know, works with Johnny Depp. I think this is probably his third or fourth Johnny Depp feature. Mm-hmm. Sure. So again, we, we had chatted about how Tim Burton was kind of, uh, you know, influential in our younger years anyway, kind of kind of fans of his earlier stuff anyway. Yeah, all the Tim Burton stuff kind of melts together for me at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I guess early Tim Burton I was a fan of. Yeah, I, for those who need the refresher, he also directed, of course, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Alice in Wonderland, Dark Shadows, Frank and Weenie, Big Eyes, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, and uh, most recently, the live-action Dumbo remake. I like Ed Wood. <laughs> Ed Wood's great. Beetlejuice is great. Edward Scissorhands. I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of his Batman movies, too. Yeah, I mean, Tim Burton's Pretty damn good. Uh, or his earlier works, anyway. He's had a few decent, like, Big Eyes and uh, Big Fish. I'm a big fan. Oh, I do of love so. Big Fish. Uh, anyway, past 2000. Yeah. This film, of course, an adaptation loosely based on Washington Irving's 1820 short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That story, actually among the earliest examples of American fiction that was passed down, like, enduring popularity, especially during Halloween. It's been adapted before and after this film was released. I guess there was a 1922 silent film produced called The Headless Horseman. My introduction to the story actually came from watching Disney's The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Did you ever see that, Zach? Uh, no, but I, I have heard of it. Okay. My introduction to the story came from uh, Nickelodeon's Hey Arnold. Oh, the, that's right. The, yeah. The Legend of the Headless Cabbie. That's right. That's right. Because, yeah, I mean, countless TV shows have sort of done an adaptation of this. But I remember Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That was released back in 1949. And this was during the Cold War when they couldn't afford to produce feature-length stories, so they just mashed two shorts together. But if I remember correctly, I think Bing Crosby narrated that one. I also remember The Legend of Sleepy Hollow TV movie, which starred Jeff Goldblum as Ichabod Crane. Came out in like 1980, and we owned that oh, shit on God. VHS. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Dude, what? Your house is weird. I know, man. I don't think you can find that thing anywhere. But No. <laughs> after the big budget treatment in 99, Countless TV episodes that adapted the legend, a couple of direct-to-video movies, and most notably a TV series that began in 2013, which was sort of reimagined as a crime procedural, which ran for four seasons. I I, I didn't see that one, but it, it was on. Okay. <laughs> Sleepy Hollow has a 7.3 on IMDb and is the second straight film for us to cover in a row to score the coveted 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, Zach. Nice. <laughs> cost $100 million to make. It earned $101 million in the States and $206 million worldwide. It was number 21 on the domestic box office charts in 99. In terms of horror films that year, it earned less than The Sixth Sense and previous episodes The Blair Witch Project and The Mummy, but it made more than The Haunting, Stigmata, House on Haunted Hill, and Stir of Echoes. And I uh, wonder if it would have made more had they released it before Halloween. For some strange reason, they chose to release it like two weeks into November. <laughs> what? I think, yeah, I think maybe likely due to the tight shooting schedule, because this is a very troubled production history. I guess development began on it in 1993 at Paramount, with Kevin Yeager originally set to direct Andrew Kevin Walker's script as a low-budget slasher film. Walker would actually go on to write 7 and 8 millimeter. Uh, disagreements with Paramount resulted in Jaeger being demoted to prosthetic makeup designer and co-producer. Burton jumped on the project in June of 98. I guess Brad Pitt, Liam Neeson, and Daniel Day-Lewis all considered for the lead role of Ichabod Crane, but it being a Tim Burton film, his first choice was Johnny Depp. Ooh, go figure. <laughs> and uh, also being a Tim Burton film, Winona Ryder, I guess, first offered the role of Katrina Von Tassel. 
turned it down and Christina Ricci stepped in. Depp initially found the idea of Christina Ricci being his love interest in the movie a little weird, seeing as how he had known her since she was like nine years old. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she looks nine years old in this movie too. <laughs> That was the first thing she that was one of the first young. that was one of the first comments I made is that like this movie is just Johnny Depp walking around with kids and one of them he wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a solid 16 or 17 years older than her uh, at the time. Yeah. Now it did win the Oscar for best art direction and was nominated for best costume design and best cinematography, which is extremely rare for a horror film, actually shot by Emmanuel Lubezki who would go on to be the only cinematographer, I believe, to win three Oscars consecutively in 2014, 2015, and 2016 for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. Fucking guy's a genius. Wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And uh, finally, Sleepy Hollow was rated R for graphic horror, violence, and gore, and for a scene of sexuality. <laughs> That's the one with the blood. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll I, was, I was like, yeah, I was like, when was that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, man. Anything you want to touch on before we get into it, dude? Mm, no. Something told me you were going to say no at the end of that. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So we open on a last will and testament being signed and sealed and handed off before meeting Martin Landau as Peter Von Garrett, albeit very briefly. He is Sleepy Hollow's chief citizen, and uh, he's being transported via horse and carriage on the spookiest night of the year. While inside the carriage, he hears his driver get beheaded by someone on a massive black steed, so he straight up jumps out the carriage when he sees the decapitated corpse just kind of holding onto the reins. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he runs into a cornfield with a fucking creepy scarecrow, man. How can you say this isn't horror or Halloween, dude? There's a pumpkin scarecrow. I, I didn't say it wasn't Halloween-y. I said it's not scary. I don't think there's a single, there's maybe one scary moment in this entire movie for me and i saw it coming so fuck wow all right wow oh well, i'm sorry I, this is the most predictable movie i've ever seen in my life and it really is get off your high horse sack he gets his head chopped off by an unknown assailant splashes some blood on that pumpkin face scarecrow i like that a lot and i also liked how they shoot this decapitation because there's no cut there's clearly some cgi involved which i think this one this shot here it holds up for the most part. I say it looks pretty good. There are a few janky shots later on that we can get into that sweet, sweet 1999 CGI. I, I got to say, I know it was a Burton film, so I didn't really know what to expect in terms of the violence. I didn't realize like this movie shows almost every decapitation. Hell yeah, it does. I think this is his first, maybe his second R-rated film, and he really never went back to anything this violent. I think this is probably his most violent movie. Sweeney Todd was oh, probably true. the yep. next violent yep. movie he went to because, and his blood effects are very similar in that movie too. It's just very bright, bright blood, red, and you know, it splurts all over the place. Yeah, not going for realism. That's that's for sure. Right. Uh, we then cut to New York, seventeen ninety nine where we're introduced to our hero, Ichabod Crane, played by Johnny Depp. Now, in the original story, I believe he's a school teacher, but in this, he's a, like a neurotic, very pale detective of sorts. A constable. Constable, that's right. But this is sort of, uh, this sort of forensics is in its infancy still, so no one really gives him any credit or will allow him to perform autopsies, really, because he's first seen fishing this bloated corpse in the river and hopes to examine his body to determine the cause of death. But the guy in charge is like, come on, we're not heathens. And then these two police officers bring in this guy who's all beat to shit. And they're like, what'd he do? Oh, he was arrested for burglary. Throw him in the pit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 
there's actually a lot of dark humor in this that I kind of forgot despite watching it almost every year of my life. I, I guess watching it critically, there's a lot of like, you know, some jokes that land with a thud, but, yeah. but I don't know. He's trying to keep the tone a little light. So I understand your, your critique of it not being uh, too scary. Yeah. Um, also, t- you want a drinking game while you're watching this. Go ahead and take a shot anytime anybody faints in this movie. <laughs> yep. You're absolutely right, my friend. He's fainting left and right. Richie fates. At the municipal courthouse, we see him fighting for jail and legal reform, but he's cut off by the judge played by the amazing Christopher Lee. I love this cast. Every fucking, Dude, every part of this is some famous British actor. <laughs> every I was going to say everybody in this movie was either in fucking Harry Potter or Star Wars. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, because right, this is Count Dooku, right? He played Dooku. Yeah, this is Christopher Lee is Count Dooku. And fucking Emperor Palpatine's in this yep, movie, too. That he is. And, and <laughs> fucking uh, Dumbledore uh, Uncle, and Dursley, right? <laughs> Uncle, yeah, Dumbledore and Uncle Dursley are both in this fucking movie, too. Uh, Christopher Lee, doesn't, doesn't he have a role in Harry Potter? No. I'm, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. A lot of these guys do have crossovers. But yeah. Yeah, it's fucking. And fucking the principal from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, a lot of these are staples of uh, Tim Burton's yeah. feature films, anyway, stuff that people come back. Oh, uh, yeah. But Christopher Lee tells him his state of the art crime detection methods may be better suited in a place called Sleepy Hollow. It's a farming community upstate off the Hudson, largely Dutch, <laughs> where uh, three people have recently been found decapitated. Ooh. So he's tasked with finding the murderer to bring him back for justice to be served, and we're off. Okay? Pretty quick setup. I do like that. I also really enjoy this opening credit sequence because it's just gorgeously photographed fall landscapes. <laughs> Every shot. Okay. <laughs> it's bathed in that, like, you know, desaturated no, gothic texture that Burton's known for. I dig it. It's, you know what? It is a very, the setting in this movie is very nice. It is. The, the, land, the landscape is very cool. And it's not even just the landscape because once he arrives in the town, you can immediately understand why this one for best art direction. The it's fucking stunning. The attention to detail and the architecture to the setup of the village itself. Mm-hmm. Then when he gets to this like giant manor, there's all these elegant decorations inside and the costume design. It's it's impressive still today. Oh yeah. We meet Katrina Von Tassel played by Christina Ricci. Haven't had her on the podcast I think since Casper, right? Always a welcomed appearance. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, wow. We've had Devin Sawa multiple times, but <laughs> yeah, we've got two Michael Rappaport movies. So, <laughs> oh my God, we do. <laughs> uh, she is the daughter of Baltus Von Tassel, whom Ichabod is looking for. At first, he draws the attention of local bully Brom, who is played by the Starship Trooper Johnny Rico himself, Casper Van Dien. Baltus is played by, as we mentioned, Dumbledore, Michael Gambon, and he's now the leader of the town following the death of Peter Von Garrett in the beginning of the movie. Baltus, he's like farmer, banker, landlord, everything in the town. Ichabod's greeted by the town elders. Mm-hmm. I, again, it's a fucking who's who. We got town doctor, Thomas Lancaster, Emperor Palpatine, Ian McDermott. There's the Reverend Steenwick, played by Ferris Bueller's principal and registered sex offender, Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> then we've got notary James Hardenbrook, Last saw as Alfred in Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to place him forever. Thank you. Oh, Master Wayne. Uh, Tim Burton actually had to convince him to come out of retirement for the role. And Magistrate Samuel Phillips, another Harry Potter alum, Richard Griffiths, a.k.a. Vernon Dursley. What a cast. 
We now learn about the murders themselves. It was Peter and Dirk von Garrett, a wealthy father and his son, as well as a widow, Emily Winship, all slain in open ground and their heads were not found. The notary claims the heads were taken, taken by the headless horseman, taken back to hell. Baltus then tells us the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So, it's the story of a Hessian mercenary from the American Revolutionary War who said, was basically sent to America to keep shit in check, basically, but while most of his mercenary brethren came for their love of money, he came for love of carnage. And now it's flashback time, y'all. Who? What? I gotta. Sorry, I just remembered Jeffrey Jones is from Buffalo, New York. Sorry. <laughs> not a claim to fame. I'm sure you're, you know, proud to take. Yeah, not not happy about that. But um, <laughs> but if you need a fucking another who's who in this fucking movie, I cannot believe Christopher Walken fucking popped his ass up into this film. And I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to see what Walken does in this movie nothing he doesn't even have a line he just screams <laughs> doesn't utter a single word <laughs> he just screams and looks weird that's his whole thing <laughs> oh my god the whole time dude. not a fan he's got sharp like fang like teeth these wild ass blue contacts and he looks fucking insane he rides this giant black steed called daredevil and it just ride into battle just straight chopping off heads where he could find them <laughs> and uh eventually his horse is shot. He's chased into the woods where he stumbles upon two little girls, one of whom breaks a stick to alert the soldiers nearby. He manages to make take out most of them anyway, but ultimately gets his head cut off with his very own sword and buried in the western woods. That was 20 years ago, and now the townsfolk of Sleepy Hollow believe the woods are haunted and that the Hessian awaits now on some sort of rampage as an undead apparition. And I got to walk you through, Brandon, because this, again, I mentioned earlier this is my first time watching this movie um i have literally zero idea where the fuck this movie's going at this point because they've given you the mystery they told you well no it's it's a ghost yes it's the christopher walken ghost oh okay little did you know zach (laughs) there's another hour and 20 minutes left i wonder what happens that's right so that night there's a farmer jonathan masbeth He's on watch. He fires at the horseman when he sees him, only to be chased down and beheaded. I like this whole sequence, the way the headless horseman looks, his fucking long, lanky, like, cloak thing that's hanging off of him, the way the guy who gets his head chopped off runs for a couple more steps before toppling over. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. And Danny Elfman's score. Badass. Really oh, nice. I knew you were going to say that. This is one of the first things I noted, too, was that, was that Brandon will say something about the Danny Elfman score. For sure. Ichabod then examines the body at the scene of the crime the next morning. We get a good bit of gore here, because the head is taken, of course. I like, it's all practical effects, the bodies and whatnot, and they look pretty good. He's simultaneously kind of grossed out by the body, but also pissed off at the elders for moving it, because, you know. Mm -hmm. Why would you move it? He's got to detect. He's a constable. Yeah. He concludes that the head came off with a single thrust, and that the wound was cauterized instantly. (laughs) Oh, Fire sword, huh? Little hell flames? Fire sword, dude. At the funeral for Masbeth, his only son, who I think is only, I think he's just known as Young Masbeth. That's all. Yep. <laughs> young, young Masbeth. Young yep. Masbeth. Uh, played by Mark Pickering, whom I couldn't figure out where the fuck I had seen him. And then I looked it up and he's in Boardwalk Empire. He's one of the sheriffs on Boardwalk Empire. Oh, really? Just grown up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, anyway. Probably he not a big his... enough, sorry, probably not a big enough role for me to even make that blip on my radar. Yeah, absolutely. I think his his photo on IMDb is still probably his young 
actor photo. So that's how little he's actually worked as an adult. But nonetheless, he pledges his loyalty and service to Ichabod to help him find his father's killer as he has no mom. So now Ichabod's got himself an apprentice. The magistrate tells Ichabod that Masbeth was the fifth victim, not the fourth. Five victims, four graves. But how can that be, Zach? So... Ichabod has all the coffins dug up so we can examine the bodies. I kept wondering, why didn't the magistrate tell him why, like how he knows this information or like why there are five bodies? Like, how did he figure this out? They tell us later on, but I kept thinking like, why don't you ask him who the fifth victim is? Right. <laughs> Never does. Yeah. He notices the widow Winship has this scar on her stomach. Pretty good detecting. And as her brought in to perform an autopsy. There's, uh, you know, all these fucking blood squirt gags here where you mentioned the blood. It, it really is this, like, almost orange. It's like this bright red. Yeah, it's cartoonish. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And again, they're just trying to, like, fit in some, you know, funny gags or jokes here and there. You know, a little macabre, but I, I don't know. It's fine. And it's here that we do learn that we're dealing with a madman, Zach. The widow was with child. Oh, my God. Only two kids, only two kids die in this movie. Dude, that boosted it a lot in my eyes. I mean, when we get to that second kid's death, I'll talk about how how excited I really was. <laughs> I made a joke that I was like, man, I hope this kid dies. It, fully expecting the kid not to die in this movie. Kid, kid fucking dies in this movie. Yeah. They, they kill like a, a three-year-old kid in this movie. Behead him, even. They fucking go for it, dude. Cut to that night, Ichabod heading back to the Von Tassel Manor where he's boarding when he's chased by what appears to be the Headless Horseman carrying this flaming jack-o'-lantern. And this part here is straight out of Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad from the pumpkin being thrown at him on fire to the frogs croaking what sounds like his name in the darkness, the Ichabod, Ichabod. It's great. (laughs) But Ichabod gets knocked out it's no real horseman, actually. It's just Brom playing a classic bully prank. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fucking classic Brom, dude. Brom, dude. Love me some Brom. But the concussion is enough for Ichabod to hallucinate some troubling images from his childhood involving his mother. We'll get back to that shortly, Zach. <laughs> don't need this. Don't need this. We straight up actually don't need any of this. <laughs> <laughs> we really, really don't. It means nothing to this movie. Yeah. Ed, what I'll also uh, cop to is we also don't need this romance between him and Katrina. Uh, no. But we we get a little of it. He wakes up, he chats with her some more. She gives him her book of spells, charms, and devices of the spirit world, despite him scoffing at anything that's not science related. Fuck yeah. you, ghost spirituality. Fuck off. Fuck you. I guess the book belonged to her mother, who has died uh, just a few years ago. Baltus, her dad, now remarried to Lady Von Tassel, played by Miranda Richardson. Later that night, the magistrate tells Ichabod finally, hey, the widow actually told me about her unborn child, but my position sort of swore me to secrecy. And while they're chatting, the sheep start going wild. They run off. Shit gets real spooky when they hear the horsemen approaching. And dude, this scene here, one of my favorites in the movie. Guy runs up, (laughs) chops the fucking guy's head off. It starts spinning on his body, topples down, rolls down the hill, and lands directly in between Ichabod's legs. Yeah, (laughs) I will say uh, the intensity in this scene is probably peak in this movie for me. Like, I don't really get much higher than this scene. I think... I mean, this scene, the scene with the, the dead kid and probably the, the church, the little church kind of massacre thing that happens. No. Yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah, the church. But it's not, I would say in terms of the headless horseman, it's probably peak for me. Because what happens in the church scene, the, the intense part of that scene for me 
doesn't have anything to do with the horsemen. Sure. I'll, I'll cop to that. Uh, so yeah, he runs over to him, like spears the head on his sword and just runs off into the darkness. It's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Ichabod believes, and we now know as the audience that he's not killing indiscriminately. He could have easily killed Ichabod, but he has some sort of purpose. Stay tuned to find out why. We get some more mom flashback, dude. <laughs> a little magical realism at play with her like floating in the air in the garden. I don't know what's happening here or why it's happening. Um, and then she's then punished by whom I assume is either Ichabod's dad or her husband of sorts for practicing some sort of like spell magic or something. I don't know, dude. She's played by Lisa Marie, by the way, who was dating Tim Burton at the time. Uh, I like the way these are photographed. I don't like the kid. The little kid who plays young Johnny Depp, dude, this kid could get a smagging. Just his face. Just his face, dude. He doesn't even have a line. Doesn't have a line, and I'm glad he doesn't. But man, that face, he's just got a punchable kid face. That's all. Wow. Look at Brandon being on the attack for the young kids for once. (laughs) For once? I'm always up for a good kid punch. Well, I just feel like I'm always, I feel like I'm always the one attacking the child actors on this podcast. (laughs) Touche. All right. All right. Well, the next morning, and I say morning, but you literally never see the sun in the movie. It's just a little brighter (laughs) because there's always some sort of fog or haze in literally every frame. Ichabod is determined to find the Headless Horseman. So he tries to recruit men to venture into the Western woods to find him. All of them refuse except for his right-hand man, young Masbeth. So they eventually find a crone living in a cave who reveals the location of the horseman's grave at the Tree of the Dead. She's like some sort of witch hermit in folklore, from what I understand. I like how she's portrayed at first with like the gray ratty gown veil covering her face. You Mm -hmm. don't see anything. She's kind of creepy the way she's talking, mixing up some sort of weird bat stew. And then we get some fucking her eyes and tongue popping out in glorious 1999 CGI. I could have done without it. Yeah, man. I I don't know. Was anybody in 1999 actually fucking scared of that? This is the same year as The Mummy, you know what I mean? So it's got a lot of that, like, fate. We were obsessed with just, like, facial morphing, I think. And whatever you could show us, you better. Well, so the the next shot where you where she doesn't have any eyes and they're using a bit more practical effects, um, yeah, that looks better. It's, it doesn't look great, but it looks better than this weird popping out shit that they do in the shot prior. Um, they do it a couple times too in the movie with like just going a little overboard with like really putting yeah. the computers to, to work. Exactly. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's it's a weird mix of practical and CGI in this film, and it's just kind of a bummer because you mentioned it earlier that the practical effects work out pretty well. Yeah. So just to mix in some of this shitty CGI, just kind of yeah. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing because I think everything in camera looks great. They end up leaving the cave. They run into Katrina on horseback randomly in the woods. And I think this is sort of trying to set up her as a red herring because it just does no other reason she's in the woods, really. Again, it's just trying to like lead you down the path of she might be in on this. I don't know, guys. Either way, they find the Tree of the Dead, which I think is a straight up fucking masterpiece of art direction. I love the way this looks the way it's shaped, the branches. Plus, it gives us so much good gore as he starts chopping into this fucking thing and it, with a hatchet, blood squirting everywhere. Um, <laughs> he eventually, like, hacks his way inside and it's stuffed with heads. I don't know, man. This is, like, out of a fucking Evil Dead movie. It's just weird and bizarre, and I like the imagery. But he believes it to be the gateway of sorts, so he and Masbeth start digging. They find the horseman's grave and sees that the skull has been taken. 
So Ichabod deduces that it was probably stolen by someone who now controls the horseman and that the tree is likely his portal into the living world. What, what is the assumption there that like, well, he who holds the head holds the horseman? Yeah, I don't know how that gets how he gets to that so quickly. Uh, it makes sense when he arrives to that a conclusion in a bit. But right here off the top, it is a bit like precarious. Why he's like, oh, this must be going on. It's like, eh, well, right. I don't know about well, that screenplay, but OK. Well, yeah. But either way, he just fucking it's at this very moment. He just leaps out of this tree and it's another weird kind of janky CGI shot as him like the, the tree branches opening up in this like blood vagina, <laughs> the horse blowing out of it. Uh, and he races into town. But I got to say another great scene here where this sort of random village family gets attacked in their home. Horseman comes in double fist in it with an axe and a sword, chops the dad's head off. The mother and son hide in the other room. I don't know why the mom doesn't hide under the floorboards with her son. Doesn't matter, though, because her head gets chopped off, rolls across the floor. The kid's like <laughs> looking up the whole time. And you think, oh, wow, OK, that's it. He puts the two heads in his little satchel bag, starts walking out. And then he pauses, turns around, <laughs> just starts hacking away at the floor and yanks this kid out. Yeah. Oh, I got a three year old to kill. <laughs> yeah, man. And the three year old he does. It's pretty awesome because the next shot, he's stuffing one more head into that bag. <laughs> Damn, dude. Huh. Cold-blooded. It's rough. Yeah. Cold-blooded. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, huge points for me when you kill off the kid. Much like how we discussed farts, automatic point boosters, I think we should submit child murder should also bump up the score as well. You know what? I, I don't want to get flagged, but <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm, I'm, also, I'm also very glad that you mentioned farts. Brandon, not a single fart joke in this movie. <laughs> No, and we had like a silly horse that could have easily let out a few ribs. Oh, we did have a silly horse that could have farted. <sighs> yep, missed opportunity, Tim Burton. Also, we had a young, uh, young kid apprentice. Yep, who could have farted. There were so many opportunities for a fart joke. We had a fat magistrate who could have farted. Oh, we had a couple Gosh. of fat, stuffy British actors who easily could have could have ripped one. Ripped a fart, yeah. Christopher Lee was in this movie. <laughs> Who's known for farting, I guess? The great Christopher no, Lee. No, but like, it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, as the horseman tries to leave, though, Brom brings that big dick energy. He starts shooting him, stabbing him. Uh, but the horseman, more or less unfazed by it all, just wants to get the fuck back to his tree head vagina cave thing. But Brom has to keep attacking him, even after Ichabod's like, dude, He's not even after you. Just let him be. <laughs> Eventually, I guess it just pisses the horseman off so much he decides to cut him in half. Pretty sweet watching his body separate in chunks, I gotta say. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that was pretty. That was a cool shot. I think it's probably the, one of the only murders that doesn't involve a beheading. So it's just like, oh, a little, a little something different here. But Ichabod notes that the horseman murders only specific victims and hypothesizes that those he kills are linked by some sort of conspiracy. We get the last little bit of mommy memories here when he remembers being startled by his mother's murder coffin, which releases her in fucking bloody body geyser of gore, which causes him to like be startled. And then he impales his hands on some sort of torture device, which scarred his hands. He's always looking at all the dots on his hands throughout the movie. And it's like, I don't know what this is for. Why? why it doesn't fucking this? add anything to this movie. It never resolves itself. Like, 
What, like, honestly, we, what was the point of this? Yeah, I think it's just supposed to show that he had this tortured past, maybe to hint at why he got into the profession and maybe why he's drawn to Katrina. Well, I didn't say you were, man, but I'm just letting you know maybe what the screenwriter was thinking. It's just to pad out this runtime. What about Ichabod Crane the man? <laughs> Who gives a shit? He's fucking chasing a ghost horse. <laughs> <laughs> um... We get a bit more of the yeah, Katrina Ichabod romance, which, like I mentioned before, I can I can frankly do without it. But the next morning, the Van Tassel servant girl has vanished. So he and Masbeth visit Hardenbrook, who reveals that the first victim, Peter Von Garrett, had secretly married the widow, written a new will that left his estate to her and her unborn child. Ichabod then deduces that all the subsequent victims, except for Brahm, are either beneficiaries or witnesses to this new will, and decides that the horseman's master is probably Baltus, because as a Van Garrett relative, Baltus would have inherited the estate under the previous will. This is just a fucking bunch of exposition that I can also do without. It's just a stuffy... Dude, it, it, I had to look up the Wikipedia to yeah. fucking understand all the threads in this because I was like, wait, who's this? Wait, who is it? It doesn't there's help five... that they're all named Von Garrett or Von Tassel. <laughs> yeah, there's five Von, There's five Dutch old British dudes in on a conspiracy. They all look similar and have weird names. <laughs> and like, honestly, we, talk, we had a movie about this recently where it just starts to get needlessly confusing. Like, this is a ghost movie. I don't fucking need some sort of, like, legal uh, <laughs> scam. Like, legal hereditary scam in, involved in my fucking Headless Horseman movie. No, I, I will agree that this is my biggest critique of the movie. The biggest problem I've always had with the movie is that this is just such an uninteresting mystery at the heart of this that's so needlessly convoluted. I, You know, and this is my biggest... This is my biggest gripe of the movie when it comes to the genre that we were talking about earlier, where I can't really call it a horror movie because it's trying to be a mystery movie. And there's no mystery here that I give a shit about. You mean to tell me you're not shocked by the twist ending, dude? And, no, what what's shocking about the twist ending is that I didn't realize that that person was a character. <laughs> Well, we're almost there, so that might make sense to viewers or listeners rather in a bit. Got like three scenes where I was like, wait, who is that? Like, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) All you need to know, basically, is that all these people murdered have a connection to the Von Tassel fortune somehow in some way. But when Katrina hears of the accusation, you know, that uh, Ichabod thinks it's her dad, she burns the evidence behind his back. We also find out that the Reverend has been doing some naughty stuff with Lady Von Tassel. Because uh, Ichabod sneaks out and uh, witnesses them doing the dirty. And Zach, I got to ask, when you're in the throes of passion, do you often cut your hand and smear the blood on the back of your partner? Mm-hmm. All the time. Me too. Good. All right. Just making sure that we weren't alone there. But Lady Von T knows Ichabod was watching and forces him to promise he won't tell anyone. We then find out the notary Hardenbrook killed himself last night, hung himself right after chatting with Ichabod. That's off screen and we don't talk about it again. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. And then Steenwick, uh, Jeffrey Jones, he convenes a town meeting to discredit Ichabod, figure out what the fuck's going on in the town. While Lady Von T finds some medicinal herbs to fix that little scratch on her hand there. Uh, She's approached by the headless horseman from behind. Baltus, her husband, runs away, bursts into the church, announcing that the horseman has killed his wife with the horseman outside who is unable to get in the church. 
So now fucking everyone's turning on each other in this sort of chaos. The remaining elders start attacking each other. Steenwick kills Lancaster. So basically, yeah, Ferris Bueller's principal <laughs> murders uh, the Palpatine and then Dumbledore kills <laughs> kills the principal. And then the horseman fucking harpoons Baltus through a window, drags him out of the church before taking his head. This is a super sweet kill. Admittedly, yeah. yep, admittedly the best death in the movie. Yep, there's a conspiracy and I will seek it out. And then pff, fucking goes right through his heart, pulls him through. It's pretty sweet. Yep. And then that's when Christina Ricci faints for I think maybe the second or third time at least. Sure. <laughs> Huh. There's also all this bullshit I'm not even going to get into about her casting these protection spells or some bullshit, like writing weird like uh, runes or. Dude, again, it's crap. it's just it's just sloppily written red herrings. Sure. Um, to keep you off the scent of the the real villain of the movie, who I again did not know was in the movie. <laughs> I guess Ichabod's kind of just had it, uh, had enough, despite I feel like so much of the evidence now, you know, he has a lot to support his claims. I feel like he gives up at the wrong time. He's just like, well, fuck it. Most of the people are dead here, so I'm just going to head on back to New York, uh, New York City. That's not how this fucking works, dude. <laughs> yeah, man, you were being put to the test. You failed. Well, God forbid we don't get our all is lost moment, Brandon. We do need that. We do need that. And on his way out, he notices the townsfolk carrying the body of Lady Von T. And that the diagram shown earlier was actually a protection spell, not some sort of curse that he believed it to be. So he's back in love with Christina Ricci. And that gives him the motivation, the determination, to figure out what the fuck's going on. So he finds out that the wound on the hand of Lady Von Tassel was made post-mortem, meaning that's not really her body. Oh what? God. What? What, dude? What, dude? <sighs> Cut to... Who is that? A major exposition dump. Oof. Lady Von Tassel. Turns out she's not actually dead. This is, I mean, this is more than Billy and Stu explaining why they killed Sydney's mom at the end of Scream. Like, it just goes on forever where she's like... I know. Huh. So, let me get this straight. Uh, <clears throat> turns out, first off, Horseman didn't kill her. Baltus just didn't stay to watch. <laughs> Which, by the way, if that's, if you're her husband, you know, if your lady's about to be murdered and you don't even stay to, you know, figure out if she actually died or not, you're kind of a dick. Kind of a dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we find out who is she. Turns out she used to live in the woods as outcasts uh, with her family after the landlord, Peter Von Garrett, the guy who got killed in the movie, kicked her family out of their home. But after both her parents died, as a little girl, she came across the horseman. She was one of the little girls in the beginning there. I, I don't know if she's the one who broke the twig or the other one. I can't tell because they're both twins. Either way, we find out that the fucking witch lady was actually her other sister. By the way, she's murdered her very recently. Um, and she offered her soul to Satan if he would raise the horseman to avenge her against all that had wronged her. In fact, it's this extremely elaborate plan to get into the Van Tassel household. So she started off as a nurse to get the mother in the grave and then herself eventually into the marriage bed or miraculously into the will, which states if Katrina dies, Lady Von Tassel gets all that money. So that's that's where we're at. She wants the Headless Horseman now to kill Katrina. <sighs> She's killed everyone in the town to cover up this fucking secret, including people who were just like, ooh, like this person told me this. and But like, it's just insane. It's like killing everyone involved in this like rumor mill. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's so dumb. Like, again, just, I didn't need this in this movie. I Just give me the ghost movie, you know? Yeah, it's such a simple and effective legend that it really could have just stood on its own of just being this fucking insane. Like, I just love the idea of it so much. The look of it, it could have just been 
a, a breezy slasher. <laughs> like I, I get, we're not exactly going for historical accuracy in this movie, but it's just like, really, that's the problem we're going to go with in this 1799 or whenever the fuck this movie takes place. That's what we're going to go with. I don't know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like this weird, like soap opera shit going on. Uh, anyway, the chase is on. The horseman is now after Ichabod, Katrina, and young Masbeth. They try to barricade themselves inside this windmill, which eventually gets set on fire, which prompts a pretty sweet explosion after they escape in the nick of time. I didn't know that windmills were made of TNT. <laughs> <laughs> Just all dynamite. Filled with dynamite, I, I guess. guess so, yeah. explosion. It's bigger than the one in From Dust Till Dawn. It's insane. I know. It's cartoonish. <laughs> but uh, that sure shit ain't gonna stop the old headless horseman. He gets on Trusty old daredevil races after them in their carriage. And uh, this also pulls a bit from that Disney adaptation, the whole bumbling race on horses, even to the fact that like at one point he's on the horse backwards, they get knocked off. There's a part where he's like, <laughs> like being dragged by the carriage right next to the headless horseman. It's like this, uh, I don't know, this uh, three stooges bit here. <laughs> but anyway, it all ends with all of the parties, including Lady Von Tassel converging at the tree of the dead. She ends up shooting Ichabod and capturing Katrina for the horseman. <sighs> but Icky ain't sticky yet, dude. He's not dead. He manages to get a hold of the horseman's skull just as he's about to murder Katrina. Horseman! And then he tosses the skull to him. And dude, every time I see this, I laugh so hard because he catches the skull with one hand. It's so funny. It's like, dink, puts it on top. And then we get some fucking hollow man effects where this <laughs> the muscle and the tendons are all growing back on his face. And uh, this is where we get one more of those like eyes and tongue bulging shots. <laughs> yeah. And we get Christopher Walken back in the movie. Yes. For a couple more screams. Again, no lines, just a couple screams. Also a couple. <sighs> yep. A lot of <laughs> a lot of growling and mumbling. And he grabs Lady Von Tassel, gives her a big old smooch, biting them lips, drawing a little super red blood again. And uh, I guess drags her to hell. All seems right in the world. Yeah. Relationship goals, man. They ride into the pits of hell back through their little bloody gut tree portal pussy. And it's pretty sweet. That's how the movie ends. It's slightly less gray the next morning and desaturated, but still very much gloomy. And uh, just in time for a new century. My dog is barking in her sleep right now. I don't know if you can hear it in the background. It's very. <laughs> I, I did not, but that sounds super sweet. Very, very cute and uh, more interesting than the end of this movie. Whew. They get back to the city with Masbeth in tow as it starts to snow with Danny Elfman leaving us on a hopeful note. Because I guess maybe they just adopted him. You know, him and his like 17-year-old wife. <laughs> or whatever's happening with uh, Richie's age here. Ah, that's Sleepy Hollow, man. I know I'm going to be more positive on this, so I'll, I'll let you go first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, bor- boring. Like, boring. Boring movie. Um, I just, I don't know. Maybe if you're nostalgic about it, I, I guess I could get it. But um, it's not scary enough to be a scary movie. It's not clever enough to be a good mystery. And it's uh, too complicated to be a good slasher. I just, it's a confused movie. Um, I, and I will agree that there's some great movie making in it. The art direction is gorgeous the sets are impressive and as a whole it's shot beautifully but i just can't get over the weird plot um the whole idea that like we need a mystery grander than like there's a fucking headless ghost running around and killing people 
I, you know, like, why do we need to add that human element of like, well, I, I got robbed of money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't fucking need it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I always thought the legend of sleepy hollow holds up by itself as a plot. And I just feel like there's so much being added into it from the weird, like flashbacks to the really boring, no chemistry love sequence. I just feel like there's way too much going in on it. I don't think there's a specific, like, it's weird that Christopher Walken has the weirdest role, the lamest role, but somehow is probably the best actor in this movie. I, I really don't, like, think anybody stands out in this movie. Like, even Depp is, like, boring. I, I don't know, man. I just don't really get it. I don't think it's one of burton's better films if you haven't seen it before feel free to skip it i I don't feel like i'll ever go back and watch this one ever it's not terrible like at no point was i sitting there like "Ah," like i really just want to turn this off like it you know it kept me interested long enough with some of the gore scenes um and the killings which looked pretty good there were some shots that looked really good the music is very good I'm going to give it a 50, I just straight down the middle, yep. because the parts of it that are good are really good. The parts of it that are bad are pretty bad. Yeah, man, I just, I can't give it a positive review just based on a, you know, just kind of a weird, weird movie. And even for Burton, just weird in the sense that, like, he either usually hits and hits a home run, or he swings and misses, and I feel like he just fucking, like, I don't know, grounded out to second or something. <laughs> it's just a fucking weird movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I can understand all those points, honestly, for someone who's just never seen it. If that's the first time watching it, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, for one, still think this is one of the best films to watch in October to truly get into the Halloween spirit. It's got some of the best, Art direction. I, 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 I'm going to stop you because you <laughs> you have you have an October bias. You have a Halloween bias. I want you to picture watching this movie in fucking July. I can't look. That's me, that. This is like me and you and like sports movies. Like it's it just you. I can't separate it from who I am as a person. It's sure. just like it's ingrained in my DNA. I, I just think that this has some of the best fucking art direction and cinematography of any horror movie of its entire decade, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I can really maybe only think of like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula or interview with the vampire that even can rival it. The performances are all they're they're pretty they're fine. Honestly, I think they're all good. You're right. Johnny Depp doesn't necessarily stand out. No one does. In fact, I think Christina Ricci's character is I mean, forgive the pun hollow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she had some it's, pretty bad. The worst line in this movie is you can do magic. Teach me. <laughs> Yeah, she's pretty one dimensional. The romance subplot in this is really uninteresting, but I think largely in part to the characters themselves purposefully written and performed very stoic and awkwardly. The mystery at the heart of the movie, needlessly convoluted, but the Headless Horseman as a character, as a legend is fucking it's cinematic. It's creepy. I find myself just returning to this one again and again. You're right. This is not Tim Burton's best film, but it has everything I love in a Burton project up on the screen. I it for me isn't necessarily all that boring. I think it's consistently entertaining. The atmosphere nearly unmatched in terms of evoking that, you know, fall aesthetic and mood. Some of the CGI really doesn't hold up all that well, but I think the action sequences and set pieces are first rate. I think it's definitely worth the rewatch for those who are nostalgic for it and could be maybe enjoyed today for a first time watch. If you are 
a, uh, I don't know, maybe a horror fan or looking for something specifically to get you in that Halloween spirit. I, I'm going to go even a little higher than a 69. I'm going to give it a 72. All right. This is one of our this is one of our largest discrepancies we've had in a while. Um, I was going to say it's been a while since we've actually disagreed on a movie, so I'm glad we got one out of there because it you know it gets a bit mundane when we always agree with each other. Yeah, two little bitch boys. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're stupid for thinking this movie. Oh well, I appreciate you doing it, man. Thank you, thank you very much. We'll get a sports one in here in a few weeks just to yeah. <laughs> appease the gods, but. Um, we are doing one last horror movie, as, as Zach mentioned at the top of the show. We'll try to get one more in by the end of the month. Uh, but before we get there, Zach, anything you watched last week that you want to recommend or not recommend? Uh, no, Great British Bake Off. I've been watching Great British Bake nice. Off. But I've also been watching the World Series. So. Oh, that'll do it. You know. That'll do it. I have yeah. been powering Sorry. through the Eric Andre show. Oof. Again, they're only 11 minutes long. Uh, but I'm, I think I'm pretty much done. I got maybe one or two left because in, in uh, preparation for the fifth season, that that fucking guy, dude, I <laughs> I cannot put my finger on why I find him funny or what's what's going on in his brain. But for He's some funny. reason, that man tickles my funny bone. Funny dude. And uh, the one movie that I did watch and I will recommend is The Trial of the Chicago 7 it's on mm. Netflix now. New uh, Aaron Sorkin legal drama. Yep. You know, it's a. Uh, I, I was reading actually about the production history because it seems so timely and I was worried it'd be like a sort of a political stunt to be releasing it at this time. But it turns out the movie was in development for like 10 years and just happened to be released at this time. It was, I guess, first going to be put out in theaters, then COVID like just kind of put it on the back burner. That's why Sasha Baron Cohen's in it because it's been in production <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> Speaking of which, man, uh, yeah, Borat too. Yeah, yeah. Well. Whoa, cannot we'll believe he got away with a fucking another Borat movie. That's no, crazy. And I can't believe it's it's like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I thought what? critics were going to tear this fucking thing apart. No, they're like, it's it's not as it's not Borat, but it's his best thing he's ever done since Borat. <laughs> Goddamn. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Remember when he was going to play Freddie Mercury? Oh, uh, well, that probably would have been a better movie. Way better movie. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh gonna get some heat for that i know a lot of people love bohemian rhapsody but I bohemian rhapsody okay. sucks oh, oh, dude. Wow, okay <laughs> going on a hard, hard that movie yeah. sucks <laughs> come after me that made him getting best actor for doing what lip syncing yeah yeah fuck off <laughs> oh well gosh yeah robbie malik not in next week's movie we're actually headed to 2002 for what's considered i think probably one of the best films of that decade right i was or horror films i'm sorry Horror films? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so. 2002, The Ring. Yeah. Gore Verbinski, our second, I think. Yeah, because he directed Mouse Hunt. That's right, dude. <laughs> oh, and Pirates of the Caribbean. This is our third Gore Verbinski movie. Oh I did my not even God. realize that. I completely Shit. forgot. Jesus. Wow. <sighs> but yeah, dude, The this Ring, movie. Man, they resonated. Yep, yep. I haven't seen it. God, probably since that first viewing. It's been probably 15 years since I've seen this movie. It was the first DVD I ever bought for myself, and I watched it a shit ton. I saw it in theaters, but I just haven't gone back to it in many, many years, despite remembering it was fairly good, I hope, I think. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope it holds up. I don't, I'm skeptical. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah we'll see, though. I don't know. I know it was the remake. I still haven't seen the original uh, Ringu. Yeah. But. And I also didn't see its sequel, which I, I guess came out a couple years after the first one. Yeah, and didn't yeah. they re didn't they just remake it or or am I thinking oh, of something shit. else? No, yeah, they did. 
No, they did Rings, which was also another sequel that came out a couple years ago. But then they they remade The Grudge again. The Grudge, which, thank you. Yeah, which fucking sucked, dude. That movie may be the worst movie I saw this year. Really, the the worse than Hubie remake? Halloween. The remake of The Grudge, worse than Hubie really? Halloween by far. Wow, yeah, guaranteed. My God, okay, <laughs> that's a hill I'm willing to die on, man. Goddamn. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, check out uh, The Grudge. <laughs> No, but if you want to check out The Ring, I believe it is streaming on uh, Amazon Prime at the time of recording. And Crackle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Crackle, give us money. You're welcome. <laughs> the one and only plug that Crackle's ever gotten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, their SEO trackers are fucking losing their minds right now. We got mentioned. Yeah. Speaking of uh, pointless companies, I did read today that Quibi is finally shutting down. Like, the thing no! this whole... <laughs> They released this whole press statement like, yeah, we uh, miscalculated and uh, probably released this the exact wrong time. It's not to mention that the idea itself was pretty fucking stupid, in my opinion, but whatever. That's cool. Uh, Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like more episodes, please check out nbd.podbean.com. That's Podbean, our original hosted site. But you can also find all of our episodes on Apple iTunes and Google Play. Is it iHeartRadio, Zach? iHeartRadio, Spotify, really wherever you find podcasts at this point, we're probably on it. Yeah, dude. Probably. Probably. Uh, There's also lots of social media you can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also write us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. Oh, fuck, dude. You got it right. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Holy shit. Which I, was a complete, yeah, it was a complete guess. <laughs> I was going to say, I could tell as the words came out of your mouth, you were like surprised you did it. You said, oh. <laughs> I like looked directly at you. I was like, did I get did it? it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, please write us a review. That really helps out the show as well as just uh, telling a friend. No, please tell a friend. Uh, tell a friend. Please, please write us a review. Anything that gets us a little bit of exposure really, really helps the show. Yeah, dudes and dudettes, keep your hands clean and, um, you know, vote. That'd be cool. I was just about if to you're say, in, go If you're in America, you should, you should probably vote. Please, please go out and vote. Like, please uh, fucking I know we, vote, dude. I know, no, I know we make a lot of, like, half jokes at the <laughs> yeah. end where we're, like, telling you to wash your fucking hands or wear your fucking mask, which you should. But, yep. like, honestly, go out and vote. Seriously, <laughs> figure it out. Get a plan together. Go out and vote. I just voted today. Yeah, this, this may be a podcast that promotes like fart jokes and kid murdering, but, but all you know said what? and done. <laughs> but but I'm not afraid to lose half the audience if I say I hate the president and I need to go <laughs> uh, because I hate the president. Vote. Please, Have fun, guys. Thank you much. Right.